0: My name's Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with... Will Sloan. And you're listening to The Important Cinema Club. And today, we're talking Pixar, the kings of animation. You got a friend in me. You can't me. Ah, those were the dulcet tones of Randy Newman himself. In singing, the studio. Yeah, the classic Toy Story theme song. What is your history with Pixar, Will? It's the same history as anyone We my were kids. Age. We saw the movies. that were great. I saw Toy Story in a theater when I was six. Oh, I was probably eight. Loved it when I saw it. Loved it, yeah. We were also just completely attacked by Toy Story merchandise. You could not turn the corner without hitting a Buzz Lightyear doll during that period. I had a Woody. I had a Buzz. You yeah, know, you did. Yeah. Well, a fucking rich kid over here. <laughs> I had none of those toys. I think I had a little like McDonald's <laughs> Buzz, and that was all I had. Well, I had the Woody who, when you pulled the, the... there's a snake in my boot. Exactly. You pulled the string and he loved said You love to listen to those uh, <laughs> warm, dull the tones of greg hanks (laughs) tom hanks's brother (laughs) is that true yes he does all the woody voices video games toys well anyway
1: we're here to talk about pixar because not only did pixar loom large in our childhoods they're still around but also i would say they loomed large for a period over film culture itself Mm -hmm. because i think more than anyone more than miyazaki more than the looney tunes more than anything they popularized the idea that Adults can enjoy cartoons too. Mm. You know, cart animated movies could have work on different levels for adults and kids. Is that ridiculous to say?
0: I think someone could make an argument that the Disney Renaissance was doing that. So like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Because if you don't remember, Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture.
1: That's true. Okay, but okay, I still wanna hang on to my premise because Pixar took it to the next level. Pixar, for a period, for like 10 years, could do no wrong. They were like, oh my god, you know, these children's movies pack a greater emotional wallop. They're more sophisticated. They're greater films than movies, allegedly, for adults. And then over time, the bloom has come off the rose, I think.
0: Now, we're going to talk about the, in our eyes, less successful Pixar films, but at the same time... I mean, you could easily make the argument, what can last that long, right? It's not like the Looney Tunes were like a great, pumping out that animation for 30 years like they died one day because you know talent moves people get older i mean definitely people get older as we'll talk about in pixar but like nothing can last forever
1: i also think okay so we do this on this podcast every now and then where we'll do like the bad something if Mm -hmm. we talk about a really famous subject sometimes it'll be interesting to explore their lesser works we did it for hitchcock we did it for herzog we did it for spielberg of all the times we've done this this is the time i've enjoyed it the least (laughs) Because, I mean, when you're watching a bad Herzog, a bad Hitchcock, it's made by an individual at least.
0: Well, it could be argued that Pixar itself is like a very core group of individuals who held a death grip on the studio for, since the beginning, Toy Story, up until essentially John Lasseter getting the boot.
1: Okay, that's interesting because as I was watching these three movies this week, it felt kind of like... They didn't feel too different from the Golden Age Pixar movies. They're very competent films, but it felt like watching movies made by committee. Mm -hmm. They felt a little bit soulless. Certainly the one that came out this year, Lightyear, felt very soulless. (laughs) And I don't know, when you watch a bad Herzog movie or a bad Hitchcock movie, it doesn't feel soulless. It feels like the work of that guy on and off on an off day. And so that's more compelling to me than, Oh, the committee got together and did the formula, but made
0: it, but you see the gears working a little too much. <laughs> Don't you mean they weave their tapestry of imagination? Cause that's how Pixar is always discussed through like company product of, Oh, these like, a, you know group of guys they wrote it down on a napkin and that's what became i don't know wally or something like that yeah right they all uh they all had some origin story for mm-hmm. sure which is really funny that when you look at the history of pixar it's a studio that as it was going you know a little rotten that directors were being fired left and right that there was ton of company turmoil you had a rather
1: handsy man at the top it yeah, seems uh, Yeah, uh,
0: sir you know sir john lassiter you about <laughs> sir to say. John, no. i was gonna say what's the name of I was going to say Sir Hugs-A-Lot, which is the Simpsons bear. There's a bear in Toy Story 3 called Hugs-A-Lot that some people think that is a shadow John Lasseter. The first movie, uh, we're going to jump around here because we're not going to do it chronologically, but I think we should start with Cars 3. (laughs) Okay. Well, Cars, the first Cars, which came out in 2006. That was, I think, a reckoning for most people our age that I grew up on Pixar movies that we saw Cars and went, hmm, this is not good. Well,
1: you know, we were going to see these Pixar movies. I was 17 when that one came out. Yeah, at
0: that point, we were... Or fight clubbing and doing other stuff like that. Okay, but actually, you yes. know,
1: we moved on to movies for teenagers. But you know, watching that first Cars in 2006 in a theater, I remember thinking, "Am I a little too old to be here?" Like,
0: I mean, I, unlike Will, uh, big smile on my face, excited to see whatever new Pixar film comes out. And Cars was one that I went, huh? I don't like this very much, and I, I, I don't know if I can quantify why. Looks good. Well, actually, I do not like how these cars look.
1: Well, yeah, the computer animation is sophisticated. And watching Cars 3, like every action scene, every race scene Mm -hmm. is beautifully executed. Terrifically storyboarded or I don't know, however they did it, like geographically, visually, all that all that business looks fantastic. It's an amazingly rendered world as well of a really stupid idea.
0: Yes, (laughs) but kids love it. Like any parent will tell you that their kids eat up cars. It is the main thing on their mind. They cannot get enough of cars. Well,
1: I see that Lightning McQueen Everywhere. All over the place. He's on backpacks. So and... oh,
0: I love the bootleg uh, Lightning McQueen you see in malls. He's all, all like deformed and like not quite Lightning McQueen. If you go to any city's Chinatown, you'll see <laughs> a million Lightning various air sats Lightning McQueens, which makes me wonder: Do kids who grew up with cars i mean the movie came out a while back do they look back on it and they're like no this is great like this is the movie that i loved when i grew up and it still holds up because i watched toy story and i'm like yeah this movie's great love it Uh, like there's flaws i mean the animation was very early but from a storytelling perspective i still tear up watching that movie try to guess which part a uh, weep with joy as opposed to sadness watching that movie. And it gets me every time, but like the cars films, like it's not our generate. Is that what the issue is?
1: Well, when you're a kid, you don't think about the logical questions very much.
0: So you think it's the logical questions of like, how do they fuck? That really trips up adults.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to get too much into this because it's kind of cliche at this point to say the top
0: craziest things that you didn't know about cars. Crack.com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: like, how do they fuck? How do they breathe? Yes. You know, What do they eat? You know, uh, actually, I will say one extra thing, though, which is that like there seems to be a caste system in the cars where like absolutely we're like the Larry, the cable guy truck Mm -hmm. because he was born a truck because he was born blue collar. Of course, he talks like Larry, the cable guy. He acts (laughs) like Larry, the cable guy. Well, what if, what if that truck got educated? You know, what if, can a truck be born to a rich car family and like transcend or is just a limo always going to be more sophisticated in this universe Is a Rolls Royce? Always going to be more sophisticated than a truck, just genetically.
0: Do the trucks get sexually aroused when other cars are in their back? I
1: did wonder this because in Cars 3 there are multiple scenes of Lightning McQueen being transported into a big in a, inside a big truck. Yes. Voiced by John Ratzenberg. Mm-hmm. and there are some scenes where like the truck is open in the back and Lightning McQueen like has his head out, and it looks like this
0: big truck is being fucked from behind <laughs> by this car. All right, let's get rid of these uh, okay, disgusting enough. thoughts. Enough. I think even just, like, emotionally, storytelling-wise, Cars 3 is like...
1: Okay, well, I mean, it's a movie where you see every beat coming
0: from mm-hmm. a mile away. Um, I do love though that Car Three is about Lightning McQueen realizing that he's too old for this. Now it's time to move to a different position in his life. Perhaps he can teach other cars to race. Maybe that being a metaphor for Pixar itself. Nope, nope, nope. The old hands are still going to direct the movies at Pixar from here on out. We are not taking this lesson.
1: I definitely did think the movie was pretty cynical mm-hmm. and unconvincing in its in its like make way for the youth premise
0: i like how the villains were like we're gonna make so much lightning mcqueen merchandise oh oh my god wink so fucking
1: disingenuous where it's like oh lightning mcqueen could become a sellout who just sells merchandise one of the most merchandised characters in film history (laughs) (laughs)
0: And again, like Will said, it's beautiful. I didn't find it that emotionally compelling. If I wrote down the lessons on a napkin, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. But it doesn't hit in the way that the early Pixar films did.
1: Okay, but obviously we're being a bit unfair here, possibly, because I don't know what it's like to be a kid to watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if the lessons, you know, the little morals, all the morals of all these movies are just, well, all the ones we watched this week are obvious and pat, and like we've heard them a million times. But if you're a kid, and also when you're a kid, Maybe you're just so overwhelmed by this car world. You know, you think it looks so cool. Like your brain is working in a different way. It's taking these
0: images Here's in. an argument, though, that I'll make against these movies and why the earlier ones are good. All three movies that we watch for this podcast are not funny. There's barely any jokes, and what jokes there are are, like, real flat lines. I watch Toy Story 2, a movie I'm familiar with, but, like, I haven't seen that many times. I'll laugh out loud at a bunch of jokes, because they're funny. The first Monsters, Inc. is very good. Yeah. And I haven't, that's I exactly haven't seen it. where it came from. Oh, so <laughs> oh, help me. <laughs> yeah. bum,
1: bum, bum, so help me. That is funny. I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, but I do remember you know it's paced like a looney tunes cartoon mm-hmm. it's this really spectacular and it feels chase.
0: imaginative like everything that they're presenting is wow look at this world look at all the details they may not make that much sense car style but it's fun to discover it it's a funny premise mm-hmm.
1: th- in monsters inc but then in monsters university where it's like rehashing like oh, wor- boy. world
0: building <laughs> i can't believe i picked this movie for us to watch it's a bad
1: one though so i guess you'd be on this list okay so justin and i got together today uh we each watched the good dinosaur and cars three separately and we thought the only way to get through this is to <laughs> hang out
0: you know Yep, yeah, we should go to university together friends just like mike and jake what's the other one's uh, name sully Sully. That genre. i'm sure
1: you folks were always wondering i'm sure the kids were wondering where did mike and sully come from i mean right from the get-go this premise sucks ass and why does mike who's 18 years old have the voice of like a 60 year old <laughs> uh,
0: comedian i mean like the biggest criticism you could throw to this film is that it has no reason to exist like yeah. you don't really learn anything about the characters it does not recontextualize the first monsters incorporated okay well if we're talking about why pixar isn't as good as it used to be well, yeah it was bought by
1: disney i mean that's that's what it is and a movie like ratatouille which i think is maybe the best one
0: of all the pixar movies maybe maybe
1: Hmm. okay i haven't really thought that through but i'm just throwing (laughs) as a critic
0: it really speaks to me will is the very thin critic looking for that ratatouille that will bring him back to his childhood
1: yeah yeah maybe i am Mm -hmm. maybe i am but anyway
0: another film that the director was fired from and somebody else came in to finish it well that's a movie that i remember when it came out reading
1: that, like, they're having trouble selling any toys for this movie. Mm, Because it's an
0: original property. It's it's
1: original property, and it's like a rat. It's a rat and various French chefs. Like, who wants to cuddle those dolls? (laughs) Me? I want a Remy the Rat doll. Why not? Well, I do, too. (laughs) I mean, one of the amazing things about those early Pixar movies, or at least the first half of, of the Pixar filmography, is there seemed okay obviously toy story was nakedly mercantile in some way mm-hmm. like that was pitched from the get-go as we can also sell toys and a bug's
0: this. life was clearly a ripoff of up. you the ant, ant. ants ants <laughs> that's right
1: um but some of these ones like up which is a movie oh, Wait,
0: in- let me tell i know that a bug's life is not a rip-off of ants yeah. you do not
1: need to send us emails he's <laughs> he's joking folks but a movie like up where the main character is an old man mm-hmm. a movie like wally where it's this little robot all these ones that we watched this week have almost the cookie cutter comedy relief characters mm-hmm. and supporting characters there are all these characters where it's like okay the screenwriting manual told you that you got to have these characters who act like this here mm. and then they're also highly merchandisable but there were a couple of pixar movies it, it seemed like the movie came first yeah actually the story came first and then considerations of how to make toys out of it came after
0: i mean for a long run it was how much money can we make with this film because we do have to hit a certain line and I understand their businesses but they're also bought by Disney like literally the biggest corporation of entertainment
1: in the world well I don't think it's any coincidence that after they're bought by Disney all of a sudden they start making sequels to every movie mm-hmm. It used to be they have to hit a certain bottom yeah. line it used to be just Toy Story 2 had a sequel yeah and now while well, there's monsters university.
0: <laughs> yep, Mike and Sully are back, and they're in university. They're, they're kid, not they're friends, guys, and yeah. Uh, they yeah, they're
1: not friends. But would you believe it? They do learn to become friends, and they're on a team where you know they got to do a scareathon, and they, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Mike has to reconcile with the fact that he's not actually scary.
0: And the lesson is: start your way at the bottom of a big company and work your way to the top. Right, Will? Well, I
1: mean the class. Po- politics are are interesting in that it is foregrounded that Sully came from privilege his mm. father was a great monster yeah and mike on the other hand, came from nothing. He had to work his way up. And he still sucks. <laughs> yeah.
0: And both together, they worked their way up to the beginning of Monsters Incorporated. Starting in the mailroom. Like, starting in the mailroom is something that happened in the 30s. <laughs> like, it does not exist at the time this movie came
1: out. Well, maybe Monsterland, where this movie takes place. <laughs> a little
0: bit different
1: than in real life. more of a utopian... So, Actually, okay, if we're talking about logical questions, and I know this is hack shit to be talking about, right. but in Monsterland... The monsters go to university to learn to scare... And there's a whole industry, people know this, there's a whole industry where, you know, they they go to the factory and they go to children's rooms. Collect their screams, which powers their right, world. Right, but why do the monsters need to study to get this skill? Because the monsters, they are monsters. They are inherently scary to children.
0: There's different levels of terror that you can get out of the children, which will make things more effective and will collect more screams.
1: I mean, I've seen the evidence. I've seen the movie. All they did was just make Rawr. a face. yes. Uh, frankly a lot of it's just the fact that sully has a body that lends itself to
0: being scary and you know as we watch the movie and it's endless running time. We It was an hour and 43 minutes. At one point, we looked at the time. How much can there be left? There was an hour left. An hour.
1: And look, maybe this movie is really fun for kids who haven't seen this story a million times. But
0: there isn't anything new. Like, there weren't any monsters that I'm like, wow, look at that. Like, think about Monsters Incorporated. Just the basic premise of having to hide a child, really fun. The door climax of that movie. Wow, well, that's wild. There's nothing like this in here.
1: Also, the good Pixar movies surprise you. They aren't necessarily rigged rigidly formulaic. It's surprising that the first 40 minutes of Wally have no dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's surprising how up opens with that montage of the guy's life. It's surprising in Toy Story 3 how, you know, they're being led into death and they all (laughs) That's the only
0: part that I really love about Toy Story Three. That movie is like, it's a great escape parody. A great escape parody
1: (laughs) My uh, my beef with the Toy Story series is that. Oh
0: yeah, (laughs) Will's uh, letting it all out now. Yeah,
1: why not? This is the Pixar episode. My beef is that it's a. uh, So I don't want to say anything offensive. Yes. But what I will say is, you've got Woody who's saying, "Listen, everyone here, know your place. Mm -hmm. Everyone, stay in line. We're here to serve Andy. Well, these
0: these toys should unionize. They should unionize. They they
1: should let Andy know that they're living, and maybe he'll play with them less harshly.
0: I have a little film called Toy Story Four that maybe I hear. I haven't watched it. I haven't (laughs) watched it either. It it breaks the mold. And maybe uh, Woody finally learns his lesson. Well, I hope so. Because do you remember Toy Story 3
1: opens with... Like Andy's getting older, he's not playing with the toys anymore,
0: and they're just trapped in a closet. And like, they're
1: gonna do a toy uprising, but Woody is the one who keeps telling it's them. Saying Woody sucks. <laughs> okay, w- Woody keeps telling them, no, 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 no. We have to, we have to toe the line. We have to be obedient. And one of them says, but they threw out your girlfriend, Bo Peep, and Woody.
0: Just, Woody just goes, the way the world works. And Woody okay? goes,
1: yeah, they got rid of Bo, but.
0: I mean, monstrous. Yeah. Yes. Status quo. That's what you
1: have to stick to. So that is my beef with
0: the Toy Story series. Uh, it's almost as if the big movies uh, that everybody loves, uh, they teach you teach bad ideology. Pure, pure ideology. Oh, no. Get out of here. Get out of here. I don't <laughs> want you talking about movies. Shoo, <laughs> shoo. All right. I knocked him out of window. We got
1: uh, Slava Zizek out yeah. of the studio. He broke in.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh, I can understand that. I still love Toy Story 1. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Whatever. Yeah, it's good. Wally uh, Wally, like you said, I'm trying to think of my favorite Pixar films before we move on into more of the like, oh, this is not good. Up, even though like they all have their issues. You remember the last act of Up? No, nobody does. The dogs are fighting in planes. No, <laughs> yeah.
1: you remember the first
0: act. Exactly. That's what makes the most impact.
1: When did you stop going to see the Pixar movies?
0: Hmm. Maybe the Cars films. So I'm going to look at a list here. And I saw Cars in theaters, definitely.
1: And then af- but after that, there was Ratatouille. And then after that
0: was Wally. Definitely saw those. I saw Up. I saw Toy Story three. I saw that. Did not see Cars two. Did see Brave. Did not see Monsters University. Did see Inside Out. Did not see The Good Dinosaur. Did not see Finding Dory. Did not see Cars three. Did see Coco. Did see Incredibles two. Man, that's a real low batting average at that point of ones that I went theaters to see. We have a similar trajectory,
1: Mm -hmm. I think. I saw Brave in a theater, and that was the one I'm in my early twenties, and I'm thinking I really shouldn't be here. <laughs> really? I'm thinking this this is a movie for children. What am I never I, think
0: that. What like, am I seeing that for? <laughs> I, I mean, if you're not getting any enjoyment out of it, you shouldn't watch well, it. Well, that's
1: the thing. It's like, I, I have nothing against movies for children, mm. especially if they can distract me and get me entertained and <laughs> yes. get me going. But I remember watching that movie and thinking this this isn't for me. Well, it's not good either. Yeah.
0: And that's one of their famously compromised films where they fired the director and like brought in two other guys to direct for her. I did see Inside
1: Out. Yes. And I thought it was pretty good mm-hmm. like for a kid's movie. Movie Because the whole premise of finding a way to illustrate that feelings can be complicated, mm-hmm. feelings can be uh, different emotions can be interacting on the same memory, I thought, and also the whole subplot with that. What, what's his name like bozo or the, yeah the, the child bimbo or bimbo, something like that. yeah <laughs> the childhood guy and how he gets forgotten and the way that memories get forgotten i thought there, there was some funny and clever ways that they illustrate things that go on in your brain in that movie you, you
0: know what was interesting about inside out which was a movie that i very much enjoyed i remember sitting there going hey eh, i wish it was more imaginative and I think that's just the nature of Pixar is that as time went on, they kind of like put themselves in a stylistic box and they can't go wild because that's not the Pixar style. Is that you have certain building blocks that you follow, whether they be stylistic conceits or even storytelling conceits. And you don't break out of that because you know what works. So you
1: don't want to challenge anything. Watching these movies this week, this these lesser Pixar movies. I did feel myself getting very impatient with how every story hit the exact exact mm. beat you think it would hit at every moment and how the lesson... I mean, I guess it's just like... It's good Hollywood storytelling, I guess. Can Pixar but...
0: make a movie that's just like funny, Yeah. that like doesn't try to like ring tears out of you at the end?
1: This is why the first Monsters Inc. was good because it was it was funny. Yeah, much.
0: it did try to ring tears. Remember the little kid at the end? Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess definitely. So. so the Good Dinosaur. The Good Dinosaur, probably universally known as the bad Pixar film, the yeah. one that they try to like sweep under the rug. This is the one where it stopped
1: being possible to say, "Oh, they're they're untouchable."
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like Monsters University has its own great things you just have to give it a second chance yeah good dinosaur this one came out middling reviews didn't make that much money then it was gone the toys that you could buy from this movie a lot of the toys were from the original version so they didn't even have the dinosaurs in the released one so explain to me what the backstory of this one was so on the good dinosaur it was shepherded by a Pixar mainstay Bob Peterson who worked uh, many years on the film and he had a real uh, good idea of what it was going to be it was clearly all storyboarded out they recorded all the voices like all the voice cast was done and then at a certain point maybe they did a test screening didn't do so well they decided let's scrap it all and start from scratch and they actually missed a year I think like where a Pixar film usually will be slotted because they completely changed the good dinosaur they took what was supposed to be a group of dinosaurs all working together on a farm. They'd be like a Triceratops. He'd be doing something different. Made it one family. The main character, the titular good dinosaur, went from being, I think, like a young adult to being a kid and in an attempt to make it more of a like, child-friendly story. Big mistake. I hate this kid in this movie. I don't like the kid either. Mm-mm. I thought the movie looked good. Yeah, it looks amazing. All those backgrounds. But- as these Pixar movies go I've on... I've seen screensavers that look good, too, and <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to sit and watch them for two That's hours. the issue, is that, like, yeah, you can go to, like, Monument Valley and, like, point the camera out <laughs> outside the window, it'll look beautiful. Like, why do you need to spend so much time doing it in, like, a CGI environment? Having not
1: watched a lot of Pixar movies in a while, it was interesting to watch some of these later ones it was interesting to see how far the animation has evolved. Mm -hmm. Like in Monsters University, which I guess is almost 10 years old now, but whatever, you know, all of the individual hairs on Sully, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's all computer generated. They create a model that then reacts to the way they move the character. They don't do keyframe animation that much anymore.
1: I mean, it's extraordinary. I I will say though that, It's a bit of a hollow victory.
0: Yeah, like The Good Dinosaur. I mean,
1: I could point a camera on somebody's actual head and you'll also see (laughs) a lot of hair follicles. And, you know, so what if you can do it computer generated?
0: The Good Dinosaur is like the classic Pixar template. It's somebody gets lost, has to go on a journey, meets a friend.
1: Maybe learn along the way, too. Mm -hmm. Who knows, you know?
0: And uh, they meet enemies. Isn't it weird that it feels really half-assed that The Good Dinosaur faces... Two different types of enemies that both look exactly the same and kind of have the same voice as well. Raptors on the pterodactyls. You know, another thing about the good dinosaurs, not enough dinosaurs. I agree. Like 40 minutes in, I'm like, we're going to see another one than the, just these. Uh, we get the Sam Elliott dinosaur. That's right. A couple right. others. Yeah. I like at the end where it really solidifies itself as a Western where it's like they're cattle rustling. You gotta give me more than that before then. Like, it only becomes a Western like an hour in. It just feels like a compromised product from end to end, which it was. But listen, if you...
1: Who are fifteen years old? Grew up with this movie and loved it.
0: I mean, we grew up with the classic Disney film, Dinosaurs. Remember? I never actually saw that. No, movie. me neither. No one saw that. I I
1: grew up with good animation, like The Flintstones and <laughs> The Jetsons movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, happily ever after, the Snow White sequel. Those who, are the kids' movies I saw. Who could
0: forget Eight Crazy Nights? Oh,
1: I mean, come on. Now this, these are the classics. This is the I I do some, go back to hand animation. I do sometimes get pissed that kids today don't have to grow up with exactly the same ephemeral (laughs) shit culture that I did.
0: And that they actually have all the choice in the world through all these streaming services? Or more choices than we had.
1: Yeah, they didn't have one channel, YTV, that half the day was just showing bad Canadian shows. (laughs)
0: Yeah, to fill the quota that they had to do. Was this animated by Nirvana? Yeah, throw the bears on there. That counts as Canadian content.
1: I'm gonna go have a kid right now, and then I'm gonna force that kid to watch Camp Caribou
0: every day like (laughs) I did. And anaconda over and over and over again (laughs) so Pixar there has been a change in the company seemingly in the sense that like turning red was a pretty radical departure of the films they had made before it was still within those tropes but stylistically it was like heavily inspired by stuff like anime which pixar would not have touched with a 10-foot pole before they would have been like that's dreamworks territory like wacky and wild no thank you
1: i got the sense that uh turning red which i still haven't seen but which i might because i hear good things mm-hmm. i get the sense that it don't you of- want to
0: see a perfectly realized
1: toronto streetcar I see perfectly, every day. <laughs> perfectly realized Toronto street cars every day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, wake me up when the girl from that movie goes to visit Reg Hart or
0: <laughs> God, I hope not. I'll have to call the police if that's the case. <laughs>
1: I get the sense that the person who directed that movie like had an almost independent spirit. You yeah, know?
0: absolutely. Brought something outside. Mm-hmm. She wasn't part of that like group of you know John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter that they you know came up together. They have codified styles of making these movies. Then again, the next Pixar film is directed by the guy who made the Good Dinosaur, who's been with the company for like decades at this point.
1: So I would just say. In closing, we all know that Pixar isn't what it used to be. We all know that people don't talk about it the way it used to be. We all know, in fact, that like, it's getting hard to tell what even is a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Like in your head. Like,
0: strange world that's a pixar film right if, nope if some,
1: if somebody just said to any ordinary person frozen that's a good pixar movie they'd probably say oh yeah yeah right or um any of those any of those movies is moana a pixar
0: movie <laughs> um it's all the same is it no it's not it's a disney film i mean it might as well be mm-hmm. i mean it's all under the same umbrella it's like why not but the best of them all b movie uh will you are not part of that nostalgic b movie train you are too old for that i want people. To think I'm younger. I saw B movie theatrically <laughs> <laughs> and talking about a movie that you're watching it's like, why am I here? <laughs> that's one. This is not for me. <laughs> when are we gonna do bad dreamworks films? <laughs> oh, we'd have to watch all of them. <laughs> Shark's Tale. Uh, that's <laughs> what we should do for uh, a Patreon episode. I've never seen Shark's Tale. Oh man. You want to see Martin Scorsese playing himself basically? <laughs> I would love to. So as per usual you can send us letters on porn cinema club podcast at gmail.com Our first letter is from Nolan, and he goes, Hey, Will and Justin, I discovered your podcast recently and I've been tearing through many of the old episodes and finding them incredibly informative. In 2019, I studied for a semester in Los Angeles and took an internship with an independent filmmaker whose office space was essentially a closet that he rented from the folks at The Asylum. Oh.
1: I worked in their office. Can I just pause for a moment in Mm. case people don't know? The Asylum is that direct-to-video or direct-to-streaming company that became famous for making mockbusters. They made Transmorphers, they made Snakes on a Train, they made Atlantic Rim.
0: And they are heroically dedicated to making movies that are not fun. It's like, we did an episode on them, and one of the conspiracy episodes where I watched like 30 films, and I'm like, how How are these not good? How just by accident have they not made a good movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The letter continues, I worked in their office for a few months, and it was largely uneventful, and it felt like what a regular production office might look like, I'll bite with a giant shark head looming in every corner. After my internship ended, I continued working remotely for the filmmaker, who actually ended up directing a movie for The Asylum that starred the great Eric Roberts. I prepa- How'd they get him? <laughs> At the time, he was preparing to direct another movie for them. This did not come to fruition, and he paid me to cut 10 pages of the script. I got the sense that whichever 10 pages I cut made no difference to him or anyone else, and luckily there was a chess scene between two characters who didn't matter that ran eight full pages. Easiest hundred bucks I've ever made. I didn't watch the film, nor do I have any intention to, but they did release it, and I wonder if my omissions played any roles in the production. The film was called The Rebels of PT-218, never heard of it and probably available on one streaming service or another (laughs) thanks nolan i love the idea that asylum is like cut 10 pages out of this he's like all right uh these 10 random pages like good that's good enough let's go let's do it you would think somehow accidentally they would a good movie would come out of that right
1: they did one that i thought was sort of okay that we watched that episode with mark dacascos yeah i am omega yeah which was an i am legend ripoff Mm. which I don't want to oversell it guys, no. but it was, it was, it was okay. It was okay.
0: Yeah. And that was one that was made by a director who did do a lot of shark movies, but he also had like one for me films. He uh, did an adaptation of a Michael McDowell book and that one was actually uh, pretty fun. So you can get people in there, but it's an aberration as opposed to the norm. Cause you would think the asylum would be like, just do whatever you want. Bring us a movie. That's fine. And according to some people I've talked to who've worked for them, they give so many notes, some of them that like contradict each other. And like they're so involved in the production and the editing of the film that the movies are the way they are because they reflect the people that are executives, which is bananas to me. I mean, one of the first films that Asylum produced was King of the Ants, the Stuart Gordon film. And that one just slipped through because they didn't know what they were doing at that point. So our next letter is from Adam Trainer, And he goes, hey, Justin and Will. Well, you finally did it. You finally tackled Australian cinema. Struth. Is that an Australian expression? (laughs) About bloody time, you flaming mongrels. I feel like I'm saying uh, inappropriate words there. (laughs) While it was certainly amusing to hear you both struggle to come to grips with what is an inherently Australian cultural phenomenon, I wanted to stress just how massive young Einstein was there in 1988. Yes, the film taps into Australian tropes of the larrikin, the innocent simpleton who, despite his innocence, manages to luck into success through blind faith and good humor, as much as it follows a strong lineage of these kind of depictions of the Australian man that of course culminated in Paul Hogan's entire oeuvre. It seems we like to think of ourselves as outsiders, but also as inherently likable. However, a significant part of young Einstein's utterly... Zeitgeist defining success in Australia was, as Justin alluded to briefly, its soundtrack, which tapped into a well of mid-80s Australian rock bands that were signed to Warners and thus had large enough audiences to pull some attention towards the film, but who were still alternative enough sonically to give the soundtrack some credibility. So that makes sense that Warner Brothers got behind it, gave it big soundtrack push, and that also helped it get in there. This is a roundabout way of asking a question that I've been pondering for some time, which is, What are some of your favorite film soundtracks? I guess I'm speaking here of compilation soundtracks as opposed to newly created film scores. It seems the trend of compiling current hits of the day onto a teen comedy or throwing a bunch of indie rock bands together in the hopes of adding countercultural cred to an otherwise standard studio picture has all but disappeared. As has the idea of people actually purchasing film soundtracks at all. I would say film soundtracks on vinyl though. Big industry for the collector. Kind of like Blu-rays these days. Yeah, it's a small industry. Yeah, but that's why you charge to premium <laughs> then yeah. you get you know that small pool who pays high i wonder whether you have any personal favorites or can think of any that serve the film in a tonal aesthetic or subcultural manner that's particular notable thanks as always for the podcast love your work
1: i think certain of the um i mean i don't know it's like kind of a cliche answer but certain of the early quentin tarantino movies mm-hmm. those are the ones i think of like pulp fiction kill bill you know the, because they sort of feel like they sort of feel like quentin tarantino's personal record collection
0: Most Albert Pyun films, Radioactive Dreams, those were all stuff that he compiled himself and they're like really eclectic. You haven't heard any of the songs and they rock. Heavy metal uh, movies have like really wild soundtracks most of the time. Lamberto Bava's Demons has a great heavy metal soundtrack that was so popular that I remember getting it on VHS for the first time and it was stamped on the front like uh, featuring all of these cool bands, probably Motorhead, I'm going to guess. But other than that, yeah, it doesn't really happen anymore that you're like, oh, this film has a rocking soundtrack that I remember as a kid getting like I need the Godzilla Roland Emmerich film soundtrack I need that Silver Chair song or a
1: Batman Forever with the U2 (laughs) song hold me thrill me kiss me kill me don't you mean the classic seal song (laughs) is that
0: Batman Forever (laughs) it is because
1: in the music video he sings it in front of the bat signal
0: (laughs) the rose is Nicole Kidman (laughs) oh I thought the rose was Batman all these years thanks for clearing that up Will can you think of any other ones I mean like what comes to mind is like Wes Anderson like I mean Prince all that music written oh, for the that's, original. Batman. Uh, that's
1: my favorite. The yeah. 1989 Prince Batman soundtrack. Classic, that, that is. is. Man.
0: If anybody has any suggestions, write it in the comments uh, or jump on the Discord for Important Cinema Club patrons and share your favorite film soundtracks. Yeah. And speaking of Patreon, this week we're talking about Gold Ninja Video. This was a topic that was pitched by Will. Uh, He mentioned, hey, let's just let me interview you about Gold Ninja Video. We can talk about the history of it a little bit.
1: So Uh, that's what we get into. Justin is saying that because he doesn't want to think this is just shameless self promotion on his part. But it is. I don't know. I just I love Gold Ninja Video Mm -hmm. and I wanted to talk to you about the history.
0: Do we reveal? that perhaps one of us has discovered a lost film that we'll be releasing down the line. And what is the lost film? There's only one way to find out. You got to go to patreon.com (laughs) slash the important cinema club. I imagine people being like, did they find a lost martial arts movie? It's like, oh, wait, what? What is that?
1: Is it the missing footage from the Magnificent Ambersons?
0: (laughs) Well, you got to become a patron to find out. Patreon.com slash the important cinema club. Next week, Christmas time,
1: Will. Well, a few years ago, we did Hallmark Christmas movies. Now we're going to do
0: Netflix Christmas movies, Mm -hmm. streaming Christmas movies, even where the Christmas movie has become again, an industry in of itself, but it's trying to like class it up a little bit. The difference between Netflix ones
1: and Hallmark ones, I think is that people have heard the titles of Netflix ones. Mm -hmm. People know people are like, oh, the Lindsay Lohan one, the The Freddie Prince Jr. One, the Vanessa Hudgens one. It's not like the Hallmark Christmas movies. There are so many of them, and they are all back. Yeah, they're
0: orders. nebulous. They're yeah. like, wait, what is that? Christmas and Carrots? Yeah, I guess I haven't seen that one. So I guess this means we have to watch a Lindsey Lohan one, right? I think so, yeah. I said that people know the titles, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> Do you have any
1: other ones that you want to watch? Well, probably A Christmas Switch. Mm. That's kind of a popular one, right? I don't. I'm not familiar with it. That's the What's Vanessa it? Hudgens one. Okay, well, we will definitely be checking that out as well. And then, I mean, is the Kurt Russell Santa one too. Um... Yeah, that, different-
0: does, that doesn't really fall within those Netflix parameters. That came out a couple of years ago, too, right? If you have any suggestions, let us know in our Discord. That's what I'm going to say now to people. It's like, no, you got to pay if you want to give any suggestions. All right. All right, so that's what we'll be doing next week, and thanks for listening. Henry Cavill is not coming back as Superman. What does this mean with Black Adam fighting Superman?
1: Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, my God hi Justin really nice to talk to you you know we're building up an exciting new franchise with Black Adam we've made close to 400 million worldwide and we're excited to double it on Black Adam 2 so don't you worry about the future of the DC universe the power has shifted hands see ya
0: whoa he just went on his jetpack
1: he flew away all right now now that he's gone I just want to tell you I've, I've seen I've seen the I've seen the numbers oh whoa you got variety and you Damn. looked at those pages they don't look good oh boy oh, they don't look good for him so I don't I don't know if we're going to get Black Adam 2.
0: Uh, this is our monthly What is the State of the DC Cinematic <laughs> Universe update. I mean, look, I would
1: rather talk about other things, but this is what movies are now.
0: Yeah, this is what people want to hear. It's just, it's just superheroes and Avatar. And we're not going to give you any new opinions either. We're just going to recycle stuff that's come before. Well, you know what? I'll say this. James Gunn and his... He has like a producing partner. We're made in charge of DC. Good. I like James Gunn movies. I know that yes. Will has a beef with him on Twitter. <laughs> I actually don't have a... Do I have a beef with
1: him you on Twitter? I did a little
0: bit late, a little bit, uh, a couple years ago. I, I can't think. remember her even. I,
1: I'm i not kidding. I don't remember having a I, I with love
0: him. James Gunn movies. Put him in charge. Someone who actually, perish thought, likes these things...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't love James Gunn's career trajectory, you
0: know. Yeah, you you really lost uh, him when he made Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed, right? I like I like that he used to work at Trauma. Mm-hmm. That's the James Gunn that I like. <laughs> I mean, I, you did not see the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, did you? I saw the first one. Yeah, not the second. You you didn't see the Suicide Squad. So his career trajectory basically ends as Guardians for you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, I like him, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but it's really funny that Henry Cavill seemingly quit his TV show to be, I mean, he quit because he wasn't happy with the direction that they were going away from the books to be Superman. He even announced it in October.
1: Well, he's in Black Adam, isn't he? he,
0: One scene shot in front of a green screen. Well, they,
1: they set it up. They set it up. This is the whole new phase of this. There have been so many new phases of this DC universe.
0: Hey, Will, is there maybe too many of these movies? <laughs> I think so. Could we? I don't know. What What? what could the blockbuster go back to? Well, I think, um, I think... More Top Gun Mavericks, right? Nothing but Tom Cruise. Military propaganda.
1: I, I think we got to bring back all the guys who were blockbuster stars in the 90s. You know, uh, Nicolas Cage, John Travolta. Make, give them all their own Top Gun Maverick, by which I mean somebody, some clever filmmaker has to get with these guys and figure out what do they represent to
0: America and no. create a movie. Will, right here and now, we have to create the new movie star. We can't keep relying on them. They're going to die. They're not going to be Top Gun Mavericks. They're going to be uh, <laughs> Max Roses left and right. Okay.
1: The new movie star.
0: Let me think. Well I'm, I'm going through TikTok. I gotta find one of these guys.
1: Okay, this here. is the problem. America is in imperial decline. Mm. So what what represents Ugh, the since new movie the
0: eighties we've been in imperial decline? Okay,
1: but we're really in it now. So we yeah. need somebody who represents this but also speaks to uh,
0: the future. Will Sloan? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Not I even America. We've made this joke before. Yeah. Who is this actor who can kind of dominate that way? Can an actor become popular, make like a zeitgeist? you know big hit and not be swallowed by the superhero machine i don't think that's possible i don't think it's possible anymore yeah. if tom cruise were were a newborn like Oscar Isaacs, after he made those Star Wars movies, he was like, never again. Like, it was a miserable experience, and I'm never, hey, it's me, it's Moon Knight. Now I'm in a TV series. <laughs> it's like, Oscar Isaacs, no. You just
1: you just got to do it. That's that's all it is now. It's you the know? only
0: way to pay the bills, I guess, if you need, I guess, to make that big money. I don't know. Leonardo DiCaprio is the only other guy who doesn't do them. I mean, Harrison Ford, he's showing up in one of the Marvel things soon. Yep, yep. L- like, you don't need this, Harrison. What are you doing? But anyway, getting back to your question, who's the movie star of
1: the future? Who's, who's the new Tom Cruise? And how would I create him?
0: We're getting to that hump of, you know, I mean, we literally had two years ago, Doolittle. <laughs> like yeah. We had the pictures from the revolution, period. <laughs> <laughs> like, we went back through it again. And, you know, the movies, they rebooted. We had our Bonnie and Clyde, right? Which which was? No, we didn't. (laughs) I was asking you. No, no, we didn't. I gotta say, though, like, looking at my list of movies that I enjoyed this year, there's a lot that I liked. Like, I wasn't like, ah, oh, what the deaths of movies. Do you
1: see anything like any commonalities there? What do the movies that you like? What do they represent? What trends do they represent? Are they smaller movies?
0: Uh, They're mostly smaller or mid budget movies. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I saw that was really enjoyable. And like when it comes to top 10 lists, it's like I got five. Easy. They're on there. Like, I remember them. They were great. <laughs> And I don't know if there's a representation of like, oh, this is what I want to see more in cinema of. Like, I do the Bay Street Video Podcast. I said this before. And like, Mark Hansen. There'll be like five movies every week. I'm like, I've never heard of these. They played film festivals. Mark is like, they're very good. And it's like, no, they don't exist, essentially. But they're out there if you go looking for them. But that's the thing. Will doesn't want to go looking for them. He just wants them to be out there. You're right. I don't want to go looking for them. Yeah, that they're available and that they're in the cultural conversation. There are a lot of movies to watch. As Will pointed out. There were no movies in theaters over the last month. Like, there's nothing. Like, Avatar 2 is coming out. What else is there? There used to be blockbusters. There used to be like five movies mm-hmm. come
1: out on Christmas Day.
0: And like all the Oscar ones, too, that want to get into the cultural conversation and then so they can go right to the Oscar stuff. There's nothing. This so that's year.
1: why we're talking about Henry Cavill
0: um, <laughs> not being Superman anymore. Because he was our hope, our Tom Cruise, our new Tom Cruise.
1: Can I just say on that Henry Cavill front, I mean, Okay. He got so many chances. I don't. I don't. I first. First of all, I don't give a shit to be Superman or not. No. But secondly, if I can put my businessman hat on for a mm. second, I think it's. I think it's good for them to start over. <laughs> I agree. I think Henry Cavill has been long tenured as Superman, and why not start fresh
0: again? He never got his chance, Will. He only got three movies <laughs> that he could act in, and that was it. Uh. Well, we still have in our future our good old friend, completely unproblematic. Mr. Flash himself. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. I'm so excited for the Flash movie because it feels like this bizarre relic of like a different regime where, you know, Michael Keaton's in it as Batman. And there was apparently some plan to make Michael Keaton's Batman the center of a whole new DC universe. And that's been
0: pretty much canceled. At this point, do they just like quietly release the Flash on streaming? Like, that seems to be. Uh, how can it go to theaters? Like, all people will talk about is the star of the movie.
1: Yeah. I mean,. I, I don't know. I, maybe they're just counting on, they'll quietly release it here and then they'll give it a big push in Asia or something where no, <laughs> nobody knows who Ezra
0: Miller is. Yeah, I guess. we. I wish it came out this year because I had that slot all carved out. The Flash on my top 10 list. <laughs> <laughs>